Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to On the Sporting Couch, the only sports psychology program on British radio. I'm Gary Bloom, sports psychotherapist, and that means I work one-to-one with leading sportsmen and women, treating conditions like depression, anxiety, performance issues, addictive behaviours, loss of form, or dealing with injury. It's sometimes called a talking therapy. My aim is to help the individual feel better about themselves and hence improve their athletic performance. I hope the show will encourage anyone who's going through a tough time to seek professional help. And remember, you're not alone. One in four of us will suffer some sort of mental health issue at some stage in our lives. And today's programme, hopefully, will give an idea of what goes on between the therapist, that's me, and the person who today is on the sporting couch. Meet Enya Luko, former England footballer with more than 100 caps and 33 goals for her country. She's played for Birmingham City, Charlton, Chelsea, Juventus, as well as teams in the USA. She also holds a first-class honours degree in law. But many will remember her for her run-in with the England Lionesses under the managership of Mark Sampson. Welcome to On the Sporting Couch with me, Gary Bloom, and in the studio today, Enia Luca. You've just brought out your autobiography called They Don't Teach This. Mm-hmm. What don't they teach? Well, there's a lot of things they don't teach um, in life that... Um, you learn through the experience of going through something. You learn through difficult times. You learn through good times that no one can really sit you down and prepare for the manual of how to deal with it. But that's probably the best way. Um, Life kind of throwing curveballs at you. Life giving you um, full circle moments that you say, oh, wow, okay, well, that's why that happened 10 years ago and this is why this happened. So they don't teach us this packed full of of lessons that, you know, I didn't learn in school, I didn't learn in university. Lessons about failure, lessons about success, lessons about um, friendship, family, identity, race. Um, All of these things for me as a black woman, you know, who's British-Nigerian footballer, you know, this kind of... the, the different identities within one person 
and being able to relate that to the reader so being able to say I know that people have been through the same things I've been through. Mm. Perhaps me on a high level because I, you know, I'm a professional footballer, but it doesn't make the experience any different. I'm going to pick up something that is a real theme in the book, and it's what you call the hyphenated identity. Yes. Because I'm fascinated by people who have a hyphenated identity. I think they have an unusual view of life. And I'd like you to just describe to our listeners, what do you define as a hyphenated identity? Uh, well, hyphenated identity for me is one that you can look at so many ways, but the main two are, you know, obviously um, race. Um, so, you know, for me, I grew up in England, but my family and are of Nigerian heritage. So it's it's being able to say within you within me, I have a British identity, but I have an African identity as well, and those two are quite different. Yeah. Um, and it's what makes all of those things different that makes you. Um, and the hyphen connects the two. So the hyphen connects being British and the hyphen connects being Nigerian into one person. Um, so whether it's, you know, me loving a cup of tea um, versus, you know, me loving Nigerian food or me lis- listening to Afrobeats to get myself pumped up um, and, you know, loving the royal family... Those are all elements that are juxtapositions, but actually they make you what you are. On top of that, there's also hyphenated careers. So it's the idea that as people, we can we can really do multiple things at once. Um, so, you know, I'm a professional footballer, but I'm also a lawyer. I'm also an author. I'm also a media pundit. And it's being able to say, like, you can do all of those things. Um, so that's the idea of the hyphenated person the hyphenated identity and the hyphenated careers and it's something that i really want to roll out and you know i want to kind of create a a brand from it um eventually and just use it as something to create community and celebrate i tell you where i am with this as a therapist this is where the tough bits start to the interview i realize i'm sitting opposite a great intellect oh thank you (laughs) there's a book coming here i'm wondering when I do that and I come across people with a very, very sharp intellect, I'm wondering sometimes whether it hides an emotional depth that that person finds it very hard to access. And their intellect, their academia, their studying, their their education is a defence mechanism against really delving down into some really painful stuff. And what you've just said is absolutely perfect. Mm but it's not, it scratches the surface of the real emotional any Aluka. There we go. The, okay. You'll start it for 10. Okay, well, we can get emotional, I think. I think we can get deeper. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to take you on that journey and start you right at the very beginning of your life yeah. uh, and your home life. And I think this hyphenated identity um, has its roots in your, your childhood. Yeah. Because dad does not live with you all of the time. He flits in between uh, a very successful career as a politician in Nigeria and comes back to the UK to visit your mum and your family. And I'm wondering whether that hyphenated ID actually has been created from a model of your own family. I think you're right, yeah. I I think, and that's what I try to explore in the book, the, the, the identity crisis that I had growing up. You know, it was very much something that Growing up, I didn't really want to explore that Nigerian side. Why? I didn't have any emotional connection to it. First of all, my dad wasn't present in the family home. 
So I wasn't able to build a meaningful relationship with him. Um, and he was very much the Nigerian element to um, what I felt was, you know, he lived in Nigeria. Nigeria was something that was far away. Nigeria was something that was not with me. My mom's Nigerian, but we spoke in English. She was, you know, working as a nurse. We were we were brummies. So and me growing up in the local area, all of my friends were young white boys who very much accepted me, loved me because I played football. You know, I I told them to call me Eddie instead of any because I wanted to be a boy so badly. So I was shutting out a lot of that Nigerian side of me. Were you ashamed of it? No, no, no. It's not it's not about being ashamed. It's just it's not being able to connect with it. It's mm. it's you know, it's it's not being able to say I can resonate with anything that is Nigerian. Um aside from listening to my mom on the phone speaking Yoruban and I just couldn't I just weirdly could understand what she was saying. Um again, it wasn't something I spoke at home, it wasn't a conscious thing. Um on top of that, Nigerian culture is a very strong traditional culture and playing football as a female was contri- completely contradictory to that culture as a young girl growing up. You had to so, hide it from your grandma, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, and I speak about that in the book that, you know, it was. it's very much like... And it, in a way, it was similar to British culture as well, you know. Growing up, I didn't see any female footballers on TV. Women's football was very much seen as something that was a weird thing to do as a girl. It wasn't seen as normal. So... I was already dealing with that in England, let alone dealing with that in Nigeria or mm. for a Nigerian culture that it was very much, you should be head in the books. If you're going to play a sport, it has to be a graceful sport like tennis for women. So there's a lot of elements that meant that I just didn't really want to deal with that side of myself. Or I didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't consciously dealing with it, I think. It, it, it wasn't a conscious decision to like shut it out and try and be somebody else. I just was that other side of my hyphen more so than, than, than the other. My mom consciously was never somebody that created an environment that we felt sorry for ourselves. I was very happy as a child. Um, I expressed myself through football. Um, and, you know, when I look at some of the most successful people like Barack Obama that you know they're from broken homes from dysfunctional families quote-unquote dysfunctional families so it wasn't something I was like oh my god you know my dad doesn't love me when I think now about certainly my sort of emotional relationships with 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 partners with guys I see what like I see that I have issues with um you know just being able to be you know, be comfortable with being connected to somebody, connected to men, because ultimately I feel okay with being myself, being on my own, because I've I, it's learned behaviour. I've seen my mum on my own for a long time. But therefore I come up with the idea, Annie, that you are ready to reject before you are rejected. That's the model that has Yeah, no, out. 100. And that, I think that's the perfect way of saying it, is that, you know, I probably have a bit of an ab- abandonment fear, um, where, you know, if I feel like something is getting a bit sticky, and I can only talk about this in, in the context of my relationships, like, if I feel like something's getting a bit sticky, I just I just run a mile. 
You're listening to On the Sporting Couch. My guest in the Talk Sports studio is former England international striker Enia Luko. Having to share my life with somebody is really, it's really, really scary for me because, I, like I said, I've learned how to, be, as a woman, be alone. I've learned how to be successful alone. My mum was a successful woman. My mum was a successful businesswoman as a single parent. So I've learned a lot of that behaviour. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, I realise that the problem of mine is being able to shed that fear of abandonment, I suppose. Have you ever seen a therapist? No, but I'm right here. <laughs> I'm here. This is my like first therapy session. So I'm kind of... Um, I was very nervous about it because I'm, you know, but I feel like after writing a book. It's all there, isn't it? It's it's, it's like, and I actually could have gone way deeper in the book. Like, This is about your, the way you are built emotionally uh, and it runs right the way through your life. You see, I'm going to take it into another level here, Annie, and say if you, you're a very good tennis player. Uh, but oh, you're also ver- well. You, you played at a decent level, <laughs> and also you, you're a very good football player. But interestingly, the team sport is something that interests you, I think, more than the individual sport. Because I think there's a there's a, a split here about the desire to belong and the desire to pull away, and I think that goes right through your career as a footballer. You want to be part of a team. You want to be part of a club. You want to be part of the England setup, the Lionesses. But actually, when you get in that sometimes those relationships are quite challenging um yeah i mean i think towards the end of my lioness career those relationships were challenging because fundamentally we just had different moral compasses um but i think up until that point i'd been in the team for 11 years and i was very much somebody that was a normal teammate and you know really got on with people i think i'm a people person um I have friends from all over the world. I have friends from many different backgrounds. I would like to think that's one of my strengths is is talking to people and Do you like people? I love people. I'm so like interested in people. I people watch all the time and um start trying to start conversations all the time with random strangers. Um so I don't think that, you know, what I've just said in terms of my my kind of weird thing of being more comfortable alone. I don't think that actually necessarily clashes with my ability to be a teammate. I'm going to jump in with another concept which is very evident. Even from being a schoolgirl, you are very, very keen on righting wrongs in the world. Yes. You knock on your headmaster's door, you talk about one of the boys that's being bullied for having an Afro-style haircut. Yes. Um, You're not prepared to let social injustice reign why do you want to be one of the world's police women? <laughs> you make that sound so negative. It isn't. I think it's great. And I'll, I'll move on to why I think it's great in a moment. I'm a person that really struggles with social injustice because I think as a black person, we are probably the most um, judged people. I think we're the most judged. I think it's the most difficult to really carve away you know the social structure the way the social structure is being created it's difficult and so to address that balance I feel like there's a balance that always needs to be addressed you know the same with women it's not just a race thing I think it's the same with women I'm, I'm equally as passionate about equality and women and young women and I have a voice I think 
God has given me a gift of being able to articulate myself and articulate myself to people. And I think that's why I wanted to be a lawyer. So the combination of all those things makes me feel like, okay, if I can help this situation that's wrong, I'm going to do it. It's not a case of policing it. I think it's a case of saying I, I want to be able to help this situation get better because it's it's not it's not good. But what I meant by a policeman, I meant as a moral policeman. The idea that you are there's a moral code that is really important to you that plays out right the way through your career, and I think informs the way that you have chosen a career outside football, e.g., as a lawyer. There is a moral stance that you inevitably are drawn towards. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And it's it's, but it's more a case of when I feel that something's not right, and there's an injustice or there's an imbalance. Um, do you it, pick Do you pick your fights wisely? Not always. I think sometimes I try to. Um, sometimes I try to fight too many fights at once, <laughs> <laughs> and end up making it worse. I had a situation last week actually um, where I tried to suggest some recommendations to my teammates at Juventus. I think it goes back to this cultural thing of not being very resistant to change in Italy as opposed to in England, people are a bit more open-minded. I tried to suggest some things to change to make the culture better and was pretty much verbally attacked. So (laughs) at that point I was like, "Mm, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Um, but you know, I'm the kind of person I'd rather you know plead for forgiveness first than you know um, toe the line. No, no one, no one gets anywhere towing. Like, not. I've always been that person that wanted to say, like, was okay saying things that other people thought but weren't willing to say. And did that bring you ultimately into the biggest conflict of your life, in terms of your um, challenging? The- Mark Sampson, who was then your manager of England, and ultimately um, taking on the whole of the football association. I think in that in that I think in that situation, um, I was actually very patient, um, and actually bit my tongue a lot, um, and so it went against who I was typically, which was a person, I guess, as I just said, that speaks up and speaks out and says, mm, actually, this is not right. Um, and I think that goes to just my willingness to just want to. I wanted to play for England. I wanted to be part of the team. I wanted to make a hundred caps. There was there was personal motivations that went against my moral compass at the time. However, I did I did find ways to raise the flag privately that I felt would help that situation. It's not always about speaking out publicly. That's not. You know, where I arrived in terms of the Mark Sampson FA case, the public case was not what I envisaged at all. I think people need to be very clear about that. I didn't want to be this public whistleblower. I had my intention was to make complaints privately, confidentially, so that it would be addressed privately and confidentially. Um, And so when when it became so public, I then had a choice to make. Do I go into my shell or do I actually come out and say the whole truth? And and I think it was much easier at that point to just follow through and say the whole truth. But that gets you in trouble. That That's difficult. That's a difficult process. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Eddie Yaluko is our guest here on On the Sporting Couch on Talk Sport. Coming up after the break, Eddie talks more about her international career. You stood up and spoke the truth to power, your truth. Do you have any regrets looking back over that time in that incident? Is there anything looking back you think, you know what, I wish I hadn't done that, said that, acted in that way? If you were to replay the whole thing again, would you have done it any differently? I think there was moments when I definitely stoked the fire more than I needed to. And I think in the age of social media where it's just a quick, you, you know, your emotions are attached to your phone. Your emotions are attached to your um, Twitter feed, your Instagram. On Instagram, you can see a quote that directly relates to the exact emotion you're feeling at that time and you share it because that's how you're feeling. But that doesn't always help the situation. Um so there's definitely times, and I wrote about this in the book, that there's definitely times that I feel like I stoked the fire and made it worse for myself and the situation. You know, I've got a chapter in my book called Truth Doesn't Panic, and it's my favourite chapter because it's the biggest lesson. It was my biggest lesson for me in that in that situation was that there's many times I wanted to tell the truth at a specific time, but I couldn't because of different situations. And so I had to wait but truth doesn't truth doesn't have any less value when it takes if it takes longer to come out it will you... eventually come out so i think i regret i regret being too hasty sometimes i regret kind of stoking that fire but ultimately i think when i look back at what i was saying as opposed to the timing of what i was saying what i was saying saying still holds true what were you saying you know that this manager is is saying things that and has a mindset that is not is not healthy it has a mindset that makes me feel less of a person that makes me feel unfavored unfavorable in the team you cannot be the england manager and say the things he said you cannot be the england manager and have um a mindset towards people of color because that's not you know and it it's again something i try and explain in the book is that racism is not just name calling it's a mentality it's a behavior it's a feeling 
Um, and I very much feel like because of who I am, in terms of being the female lawyer, pundit, footballer, that was something that challenged a lot of status quos in Mark Sampson's mindset. Well, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, and we can all have 2020 vision looking back, do you think Mark was racist or he was unintentionally racist and needed some educative process to go on? I, I, I understand the question, but I don't really know why people ask that question because what you do and what you say is what you are in that moment. In that moment? In that moment. But that's who you are in that moment. So I cannot jump into Mark Sampson's mind and know whether he thinks he's, you know, he's a racist or not. So in that sense, it's a stupid question. However, you, you if you say certain things and you you repeat behaviour and you repeat a pattern of behaviour towards similar types of people, be ready to be labelled that. That's just the, that's just the bottom line. So... Um, I can't answer your question because I'm not in his mind. I don't know. You know, if we if we get even deeper, you know, in the in the times of um slavery, some slave owners weren't racist, but they used black people as slaves because it was what they needed to do at the time. But what they did was racist, but they may not have been, you know. So it's not, you know, I think it, it we have to be responsible for what we do and what we say. Um, and and that's really my only, my best answer to that, to that question. And and he has had to take responsibility for that. You cannot, you cannot do certain things. You cannot say certain things towards protected people. You know, as black people, we are protected people in terms of the law, in terms of the equality, because of the way society has been structured. We are, we've been made as a disadvantage so the law protects us in terms of saying you cannot treat people unfairly because of the color of their skin so if you say things that 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 aggravate that be ready to be called that well i'm going to go into some really choppy waters here okay I'm, we've already got quite choppy but yes let's go let's go <laughs> i wonder and remember i'm putting it out there that i'm a white man you're a black woman there People say, "Oh, I'm not racist. I'm not prejudiced. I'm not." We all we all carry prejudices. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that, I'm, I'm just for sure putting the background there. But I wonder whether white people uh, and the way racism has played out over the last hundred years or whatever has created a defence mechanism in many black communities, which then play out back to the white community as aggressiveness as. Um, having an attitude. You can often hear white people talking about black people having an attitude. Mm. And I'm wondering whether it's almost like a, a howl round that you would get in an audio thing that the whole thing is completely misunderstood, that white people don't understand properly black people's understanding of what is going on, that that awkwardness that they come across. Yeah. And I think that makes a racist situation even worse. Does that make sense to you, what I've just said? It, it makes sense. It does. Um, I think because that's the reality. But I think that's a little bit of an excuse. Okay. Because as you said, all of us have prejudice, mm -hmm. but we can very much be in control of how we um, exemplify that prejudice. We can very much be in control of how we communicate that prejudice. Um, I have certain prejudices from my own experiences, 
but you will never hear me communicating them why because i ultimately respect fundamentally respect people and respect you know their experiences and where they come from i'm not perfect but that's certainly an area where i just feel like it's there's no excuse i think to your point about you know aggressiveness in the black community that's 100% true but i think you've got to look at why that is and ultimately a societal structure is being created where white people have benefited from hundreds and hundreds of years of privilege versus versus underprivilege for people of color it's interesting i think because what you're what you're effectively saying is that do we create situations that perpetuate racism if i'm looking at myself in the mirror and i'm thinking what do i do I think the only thing that perpetuates racism towards me is the um the fact that I challenge status quo. If you are if you are a, uh, if you are somebody that only I'll give you an example and I talk about it in the book. When I was younger I you know I did really well in my GCSEs. Prior to GCSEs, my teacher, one of my teachers told me she only thought I would get a C um in in i think it was maths and i knew i would do better than that but she only thought i would get a c further to that i had a conversation with a careers advisor who when i said to her i wanted to become a lawyer she kind of looked at me as if to say like that's way too ambitious for you and tried to kind of steer me down the line of what my mom did when i was young which is nursing which is what a lot of black women do But so is that, is that prejudice or is it racism? I think it's prejudice to the extent that you only want to fit black people or black women into a certain box and when someone tries to get out of that box you you back you put them you try and shape them into that box again. So that is you know there's different as as I said there's different ways of perpetuating racism it doesn't have to be name calling. This is On the Sporting Couch, a program about good mental health in sport. I'm Gary Bloom, and my guest in the studio today is former Lionesses striker Enia Luko. Well, I think we all have taste, you know. We all have um <laughs> So what's your taste? Oh, I'm not going to say that on radio. Um, but I think I think uh I don't think that's prejudice if you have a, you know, you're attracted to a certain type or type certain person um but i would like to think that i consciously try and have and connect with people from so many different backgrounds so many different races so many different and going to brunel university helped me a lot because it was such a multicultural university and this is where that really awakened my hyphenated identity my nigerian side i started to meet a lot of people from nigeria who and from africa and from places in the world i'd never heard of that made me feel like ah oh, this is like an amazing thing to be you know part of so many different cultures that it just it just deprejudiced a lot of the things i was thinking at the time and if we look at your story from your book they don't teach this i would argue that the journey of your life is from victimhood to love from letting go of old hurts to a place of letting go do you see that 
I'm not sure about the victimhood part. <laughs> I've I've never felt like a victim. I feel very, very blessed. I actually feel like I'm a favoured child of God. I feel like God put me on this earth to be sat where I am now and inspire other people and help other people and be someone that people point to to be able to write a book at 32. Like, it's it's a bit crazy for me at times. I'm like, how did this all happen? So I definitely don't feel a victim and I think it would be actually wrong to call myself a victim. I think everybody has things in life that makes them feel like, why is this happening to me? Everybody has things in life that challenges them. But ultimately, it's how you deal with it and come out the other end. And, I, you know, I just feel... 2019 has been a year that I can only look at and say I'm truly, truly, truly blessed um, to be able to share my story, to be able to talk with you now just about my life and my emotions and, and my journey to be here. So I would definitely just call it, you know, a journey from being a child that was just desperate to be liked and desperate to be accepted to a woman now that is very OK with standing alone in my own truth. I'm going to jump in because we're running out of time, Annie. I want to talk about transitioning because you have announced that you're leaving mm-hmm. Juventus. You're coming back to the UK. What's it going to be like leaving football behind? Well, I haven't made that decision yet. But you're going to have to make it one day. I'm going to have to make it one day, yeah. And But honestly, I feel like um, it's something I've been preparing for for about 10 years, um, having sort of different things going on. As I said, hyphenated careers and different things going on to prepare me for this moment where I've really got to make a decision about, you know, retiring or not. And I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm probably in the best position to do it because of, of those things, because I've prepared. It doesn't make it easier though. It may, still makes it a very emotional decision because football's in you, especially when your body can still do it. You know, your body can still put the ball in the back of the neck can still run in behind, can still... But it's a, it's for me. It's about your mind, and it's about being able to transition to something else and let go. You Can know? you let go? I, I will be able to. I will. You've be got able a big to. grin on your face. You I know it's going to be, be blooming difficult. Because yeah, it's going to be so hard. You're such a determined hard. young woman. And you've I, fought so hard to get achieve what you've achieved. I think letting go is going to be a big, big struggle for you. The great thing is you've got another career to move into as a lawyer. Yeah, I think you know. I, fortunately, I've got some friends that have retired recently and they you know they're always very honest with me and say it's hard so I'm, I'm expecting it to be hard emotionally I'm expecting it to be to wake up some days and, and not feel good but ultimately it's 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 about having something to put energy into every day you know something new something new something new you're overthinking it any I, mean, I want to know what's in your heart about you saying goodbye no, to playing and that's, that's in my heart I know it's going to be hard I know it's going to be difficult but I'm excited too. A bereavement. I'm, I'm feeling a range of emotions about about it because ultimately, I'm sad, but I'm excited. I'm angry about some elements, but I'm excited. So I don't, I can't really put it into like it's all a range of emotions. But ultimately, I want to like I want to be able to make a decision and be excited about the next five ten years because one day you have to stop playing football. It's reality. Where's God in all this? God is centre, man. God is like <laughs> right smack bang in the middle. Um, because I do believe that, you know, God orders my steps and directs my life and directs my purpose. And, um, you know, 
that's why we pray that's why I pray that's why I try to okay in this moment I'm feeling this and I feel like my gut is telling me that I need to make this decision God I let I give it to you and you know I, I, I allow myself to feel comforted by that that is how I operate um, because I feel like I don't always get it right <laughs> but it's about saying well this happened to move you into this direction you know making the Juventus decision recently was a difficult decision it's a difficult decision leaving halfway through the season I thought I'd be criticized I thought that you know all range of things but now I've made it it's like well it's done now I've now I can let it go and, and move on to, to something else so I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to to well to be coming back and um Are you coming back to English football? I am coming back to English football. Um I'm very excited about coming back to English football because it, I think at the moment the the WSL is the best league in the world for many reasons for obviously the products on the field but also where it's going commercially, the attendance levels, um just the level of competitiveness. So I'm very very excited about coming back. I'll keep it to myself for now about what the next step is because I I do think that time sometimes helps that. Um, I don't, you know, I know the news is very much like, right, this is the news, what's next? But I want to kind of just, you know, just chill for a little bit. Um, Christmas is coming up, New Year's coming up. Enjoy that with friends and family. And, um, you know, I'll be making announcements soon about the next step. But I think everyone that knows me should know that I've already got a plan. (laughs) Are you ca- so it's it's coming, it's coming, announcement's coming. Are you coming back are you coming back a better player than you left? One hundred percent. Yes, one hundred percent. I think I've learned a lot um being in Italy. Um as more so as a person. I think as a player, after leaving Chelsea for six years, it was always gonna be something that I just wanted to continue that, that success. You know, and I did, you know, winning three trophies in eighteen months, finishing top scorer at Juventus was not easy. Um because a completely different way of playing, completely different pressure. Um, but I, th- I think as a person, I've had a lot of conversations with myself um, over the last six months, which have helped me understand myself a lot more. Turin is quite an isolated city. It's not London. Um, and I've learned a lot about culture. I've learned a lot culturally. I've learned how to cook a really killer pest- pasta pesto. Um, so, yeah, I'm good. In 10 years' time, when people hear the name Enia Luko what do you hope they remember about your career what do you hope they remember because people are obviously going to say the whole Mark Sampson affair is is such a big chapter in your life what instead would you hope they think when they hear the word Enia Luko or the name Enia Luko um I I hope it's a range of things I hope it's success successful like I actually had you know I did my job well and succeeded um I hope that it's integrity um, I think that's one of the things that really makes me feel good about myself is that um, when I was given the opportunity to take something that felt good versus something that was going to be really difficult, I chose a difficult route. Integrity, character, um, honesty and legacy, really. I hope to create, you know, having a book is a legacy. Being able to talk to young girls about the lessons in the book is is a legacy, I did that last week and was nearly in tears the whole way through the session because I was like, this is exactly what I wanted from writing the book. I didn't want to just write about myself and scoring goals. I wanted to write about life and try and have really great conversations with young girls about like what, you know, how to navigate the stuff. I learned a lot. So definitely somebody who could try to create a legacy for the game and 
you know, for, you know, the wider society as well. Annie Aluko, many thanks for joining Thank me. Thank you so much. On the Sporting Couch. I survived the couch. <laughs> You've been listening to On the Sporting Couch, a programme about good mental health in sport. My guest here at Talk Sport has been Annie Aluko, arguably the greatest striker to pull on the white shirt of the England women's team. I hope the show will encourage anybody who's going through a tough time to seek help. And there are some useful links on the Talk Sport website. Go to www.talksport.com forward slash sporting dash couch. And if you'd like to follow me on social media, I'm at Bloomers57. Thank you so much for listening to this programme. And please remember, there's no such thing as good health without good mental health. Goodbye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.